Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, he is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of MMA to really dominate the show this week because we have yeah. a lot to talk about in the land of sports, but... The MMA world, especially the UFC, has decided we want to dominate the entire episode. We'll say they want to just release everything all at once. Yeah. We just thought, okay, we we're going to be able to talk about the NBA, which we still are, and we're going to talk about NXT. But the UFC decided to drop a bombshell of announcement that we're going to get into a little bit later in the show. We finally have confirmation of Fight Island. <laughs> So get re- fight something. It's not necessarily an island. Get ready for that, but we want you to join in that conversation. Where do you do that? OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Join in on Facebook. Join in on Twitter and join in on Instagram. And remember, use the hashtag ODPH when you're talking with us because we definitely want to find that through the land of the social media world so we can definitely have that conversation because you're kicking off this week, like we said, in the land of sports, the one <laughs> organization that hasn't stopped and yet finds ways to keep coming up with headline after headline after headline during the whole C-19 nonsense has to be the UFC. Yeah. And let alone did they have a great fight card this past weekend, there still was drama after drama coming out after that. I'll say when the, you know it rains, it pours, and you know the floodgates got opened. Oh, they got opened. Well, we knew going into this w- past weekend, there were UFC 250 at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Definitely was a great night of fights, which on, on paper we weren't really sure what was going on. It was very bant- yeah. bantamweight heavy. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm looking at one, two, three. Uh, car fights on the main guard out of five being all in the bantamweight division. Right. So when we knew this going in, we're like, okay, we'll kind of have to wait and see because there are a lot of fights that had question marks going on because obviously with Henry Cejudo vacating the title, mm-hmm. it was really unsure of where everything was supposed to go, who was going to get the title shot. And this has cleared up a lot and has set up a lot of dominoes to fall now. Right. Which is what you really want to see in a division. But like we say, it was headlined with Amanda Nunez versus Felicia Spencer, but we're going to kind of deep dive into the main card a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, Pad, why don't you get kick, kick us off with that recap? Yeah, so uh, the first fight to open up the main card was uh, in the bantamweight division uh, between Eddie Wineland and Sean O'Malley, uh, with Sean O'Malley defeating Eddie Wineland via a knockout punch uh, in the first round. Welcome to the Sugar Show 2.0. Good Lord, and then he promptly decided to take his interview time and call out like everybody. The kid, love him or hate him, has got the it factor. Oh, yeah. And O'Malley is going to be the next big MMA superstar that's going to move the needle because he's got the charisma Mm -hmm. and he's got the skill level to back it up. He's got the charisma, but it's without being an obnoxious asshole. Right. He, He definitely can make his jabs hit, or verbal jabs, should I say. But, yeah, he's coming off as a very intriguing fighter to watch. Oh, yeah. And Eddie Wineland is no joke. I mean, former uh, WEC champion, if I'm not mistaken. And this fight, O'Malley was coming off a long layoff, uh, and he looked fantastic with uh, the standing knockout. That I mean, you can't get more of a crisp shot mm-hmm. to knock somebody out. And right after that, he immediately was saying, 
I don't think that was worth fifty thousand. I think that was worth a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. And basically was ca- started calling on everybody. Went right after Henry Cejudo, which I mean that was just it was funny. Oh yeah. I mean he he has a very unique sense of humor, and it, like like Pat touched upon, he wasn't being a complete you know a hole. Mm-hmm. He was actually just being funny and yeah. just making his point known that okay he should be getting paid more. He should be getting more high profile fights, which I guarantee you he's going to get now. Oh yeah. Knockout like that and as much press, you know, good press as he gave, he'll absolutely get a better a better fighter next oh, time around. Oh, yeah, he's sound bites galore. He is definitely somebody you can definitely watch on YouTube over I'll say th- over. This, this is a guy that, like, you can safely market and, and can be kind of your new I – don't, I don't necessarily want to say top heel or top bad guy or whatever, but, like, he can be your spiritual successor to a Conor McGregor, your Chael Sonnen, and what have you. Without having to worry about a dolly going through a, a bus window like with Conor McGregor. Yeah, he's definitely a laid-back guy in his own right, and he d- comes off very, very well oh, yeah. when he does interviews. Which he's just—he's a—he's a funny character, mm-hmm. just for how he fights too. Because I mean, he can definitely scrap, and he's only getting better. Oh, yeah. I mean, coming from the Contender Series, we all weren't really sure what was going—what was going to come out of that one. Because you—you don't really know when you when you see well, yeah. the, the amateur fights. I don't want to say amateurs, but the up-and-comers. Yes, thank you. Is when you don't really know what you're going to get until they get in the cage, and O'Malley has been yeah. surprising everybody. Oh, yeah, because how many seasons of Ultimate Fighter have they done? It's like twenty something, right? Yeah, give take. How many have stuck? Like especially winners or people who finished top two. It's got to be like a count on one hand the number of people who've stuck around. Now, yeah, you've had guys who didn't necessarily finish in the top three. You know, stick around and make a run. But it's it's a crapshoot at the end of the day. It definitely is. I I'm just really trying to go through because there's been so many fighters that have won the contract, mm-hmm. and then when they get to the main stage, some really excel, some yeah. fall off the wayside. It, it's it's really you know being called a prospect in MMA, it, it's a gift and a curse. You get a lot of hype early, and then if you don't perform, everybody says you're a bust. You know, much like football. Yeah. To put it to a, a more relatable degree, it's like when everybody says, "Okay, this is a number one draft pick." Jamarcus and, Russell, yeah. Ryan Leaf. Yeah, they have all the intangibles, but until you get into the cage, you fall apart. And then the ones that really surprise you, like, I mean, I think probably the one that really sticks out more recently was mm. when everybody was saying Uriah Hall was going to run away oh, with, yeah. with the middleweight division. Yeah, I remember the, that. And he was going to be the guy, and then all of a sudden he ran into Calvin Gastelum. And <laughs> yeah. Calvin, who came literally out of nowhere really stepped up and really has, has shined lately and, yeah. and really been, you know, going through his ups and downs with weight cuts and such. He's been a, pre- he's been a pretty steady fighter. I mean, oh, yeah. through his career. So oh, yeah. they're always in contention now. So O'Malley kind of has a different kind of vibe to him. Like I say, he's more fun loving and more, oh, yeah. more just deadpan laid back yeah. quips, but you got, you got to give him something though. Uh, his professional record now stands at an undefeated 12 and 0 with uh, eight wins by a knockout one by submission and three by decision. Well, I think his next opponent was actually another winner on this card. Mm. So we'll get into that when we cover that fight. Okay. So next up on the plate was a welterweight matchup between Anthony Rocco Martin uh, versus Neil Magny, with Neil Magny defeating Anthony uh, Martin via unanimous decision. Uh, pretty back and forth. Yeah. Um, I mean, Magny is always uh, very solid in the cage. And I wasn't really too shocked at this one. It, no. it just kind of went basically the way I thought it was going to go. Yeah, a little, so. little one-sided, you know, as one would expect. Although I wonder what the third judge was looking at. Uh, 30-27, 30-27, 29-28. 
Well, sometimes judges look at different yeah. octagon control. Like, yeah. that, that's the one thing that always kind of puzzles me is, like, you'll have one judge that weighs that more heavy than strikes landed or takedowns. Like, yeah. it's, it's a weird thing with judges. And we've seen that all the time. We're, like, we're sitting there watching a fight, and one guy just dominates the other guy for, you know, the entire fight. That it's, you know, it's a, it's a shock he didn't knock the guy out. And then you get to the decision. It's, like, 30-27. Okay. Mm-hmm. Get that. 30-27. Okay. 29-28. Huh? Yeah. So for me, this was one of those instances. Yeah, it was definitely one that like, okay, it kind of went. I could kind of see it maybe in one of, in one of the rounds, mm-hmm. but it wasn't so memorable that I'm like, oh, okay, this this sticks out for this reason. Yeah, yeah. So Vagney's back in the win column. Yep. Uh, after that, you had another bantamweight matchup between Aljamain Sterling, who defeated uh, Corey Sandhagen via rear naked choke submission. All right, now this one definitely surprised me mm-hmm. a little bit. I mean, Sterling has always been a contender in that division, without question. And this was going to be his toughest challenge to date, in my opinion. Sanhagen had been on a very good run, and just the way that Sterling put him away, so very shocked at. Very, very shocked at. Yeah, I'll say on a seven-fight win streak dating back to before he was even in the UFC, uh, back in, the win streak started uh, in October of 2017. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, this fight had number one contender implications all around it yeah i think sterling has punched his ticket for that fight i'd say so so he's going to have to wait for the winner of peter yan and jose aldo that has been announced for the vacant bantamweight title right but sterling is your clear-cut number one contender no no, oh yeah no question after this and it's a five fight win streak yep and he's definitely he took out the number four guy in the division Everybody mm-hmm. else is kind of log jammed up there. It makes the most sense. Yeah. So yeah. And I, I will actually agree with Ben Askren. He got on Twitter or social media and was saying it should be Sterling versus Yan. I agree with that. Yeah. I think they're forcing Jose Aldo in there because of his past accomplishment as featherweight. Which sure. Take nothing away. Sure. I understand from a name standpoint that you want to put him in there, and I and I know they just started fighting a bantamweight. But I would say Yan and Sterling makes the most sense to me. I know they're not going to do that unless there, there's some reason Aldo can't do the fight. Right, and Yan and Sterling makes sense now that we've got you know the history and and this most recent fight with Sterling. Mm-hmm. But I think at the time before with, before you had this win over Corey Sanhagen, if you if you had somebody come up to you and go, "Tell you what, we're going to put Aljamain Sterling in a t- in a title match," you, you and a few other people might have. Might be a little soon. It might be. Well, it might be at, at the time before this most recent fight. Yeah. Well, that's the one thing about Sterling is like, when has he really been challenged? I mean, he's fought some great fights. Don't yeah. don't don't take anything away from it. But to get that title shot and leapfrog that division, well, that's the kind of the question I, I you have to sit back and think about. So, yeah. in my opinion, yeah, I don't think he's really been challenged to this level to really lock in that title shot. But he's been on an impressive fight streak. So I mean, oh, yeah. and I can't take anything away. He's locked in that number one contender match. So whenever yeah. they want to do that, make it happen. Yep. After that, the co-main event was another uh, was the final bantamweight matchup of the night uh, between Cody Garbrandt, who defeated Rafael Asakano. Asakao, excuse me if I uh, mispronounce that, who shot clock cheesed the knockout uh, at four minutes and 59 seconds in the second round. A sun sal. Thank you. Yep. No, no. Cody Garbrandt came back strong in this Woo. one. And how he just completely knocked out a sun sal. It's like the coaches always say, play to the whistle. It, it was incredible. Or in this case, the horn. Garbrandt, that's the one thing you know he's got. He's got hands. He can strike oh, for yeah. For the entire duration of a fight, everything else 
jury is still out. Yeah. I, I'm not fully sold on him per se, but if you want to stand and trade with him, mm-hmm. since I'll learn the hard way, you, you can't do that even when the fight's nearing the end of the round. And he got clipped, and he got knocked out flat mm-hmm. cold. So that being said, I think that Garbrandt and O'Malley is the fight you make. Let Garbrandt go take on the Sugar Show 2.0. Yeah. yeah. It's box office. It's a draw. It will sell seats. It will definitely do everything you want as a fight promoter. And for fight fans, this is a real test. I know it's a real jump up in competition level for O'Malley. Mm-hmm. But give it to give it to him. Yeah, no, give it to him. Let him. Let's see what he can do. Put that you know undefeated record on the line. Also, I think in terms of Garbrandt, you got to give him another test because okay, he just won. But prior to that, he had three losses in a row, including back to back losses against T.J. Dillashaw. Yeah, so you definitely have to make that happen. And Garbrandt has actually called out O'Malley a little bit on TMZ, saying his knockout was better. Oh, all right. So let it happen. Yeah, why not? This makes perfect sense for the UFC. Your bantamweight division, you have fighters waiting to get that title shot, but this one is definitely box office. So Mm -hmm. O'Malley and Garbrandt make it happen. Going to the main event, though. You had, for the Women's Featherweight Championship, you had Amanda Nunes defending her belt against Felicia Spencer, and she did so successfully via unanimous decision uh, with the scores being 50-44, 50-44, and 50-45. What can you say about Amanda Nunes other than pound for pound right now? Uh, In the women's division, yeah. uh, Men and women right now. Men and women, yeah. One question, though, because I'm looking at the scores. How do two judges have this 50-40? And I'm not arguing that, like, getting angry, just, like, really curious. How do two judges have this 50-44 and the other one has it 50-45? But there's no, like, point discrepancy. I don't know. That, like, that's really, really confusing. Because Nunez put on a clinic. And take nothing away from the toughness of Felicia Spencer. No way, shape, or form am I questioning how she just fought as much as she could, and she took a lot of damage. Oh, yeah. And Nunez was just looking phenomenal in the cage. At one point, I thought if she had a little more time, she was going to finish her in the third, I believe. But she looked as great as the hype is around her, and rightfully so. I mean, Spencer was the one contender that we weren't sure was going to have that chance. And right. was going to be the one to really you know, take down – the, the greatest right now. I mean, mm-hmm. you and you can't say anybody else is, is up there right now with Nunez. I no. mean, you, you could argue John Jones. Yeah. But let's face it, Nunez has dominated every fighter that has been a name in women's MMA. That she took out Ronda Rousey, took out Holly Holm, took out Cyborg. Say the quote-unquote legend killer. Exactly. And now it's who's next. That's the question we have to figure out. Well, and the even crazier thing, and I saw this on the MMA subreddit today, so I can't take credit for this. But the crazy thing with Amanda Nunes is she's now eight and zero in title fights in under in just under four years across two divisions, including beating every previous champ in the history of both divisions. Yeah, she's won five of the eight via finish. Four of those five are in the first round. She's also the first double champ to defend both belts at the same time. Yeah, she is putting on an astonishing career. I am just in awe when I'm watching her fight now. Oh, it's insane. Just how clinically crisp her striking is, and she can take it to the ground. And like I say, take nothing away from Spencer, who Mm -hmm. who I I thought the fight should have been stopped in the fourth. I I will be very honest. It's just one of those things when you're outclassed, and you're taking that much damage. Yeah. Your, your corner or the judge or the referee needs to make a decision. 
I understand they let her fight, and it is what it is. But mm-hmm. you know, my God, Nunez is just running everything right now. I oh yeah. So like I say, I don't even know who's next. I don't. I now I know that Dana addressed it in the mm-hmm. pros, in the post fight presser that some somebody actually asked about Shevchenko. Okay. No way you can do three. No. Uh, Nunez has beat her twice. The, I'm sorry. There is no draw there. I know that Shevchenko has looked amazing at flyweight. Yeah. But you can't. Uh, she's only beat her. Cor- oh no, there it is. Sorry, I only saw one. Nope. She. Yeah, you're right. She beat him. Beat her twice. Yeah. So I mean, that's why I say you can't make that rematch again. No. You you can't. I mean, like I say, nothing against Valentina Shevchenko. Who is an amazing fighter, but once yeah. I mean, there's not really that draw for having a third match. I mean, no. I, it, like I just don't see it, and I and I definitely don't see Nunez going down to flyweight to fight her. That's not gonna champ, happen. champ, champ. Yeah, is, well, I mean, if if I mean, we've never had somebody try that. I mean, we had some fighters fluctuate between all the weight classes. Yeah, no, there is. I mean, there is one gentleman who said uh, the only reason he'd come back is to go for a third belt, Henry Cejudo. Yeah, he, but. he did. He came out today and said that you know the only reason he'd come back is to fight uh, the featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky, so be the true Triple C champ, champ, champ. <sighs> Hasn't been done, but hey, why not? I'm, I mean, I'm looking at the back, getting back to Amanda Nunes here though, because according to UFC.com/slash/rankings, uh, Amanda Nunes is the featherweight champion, and then there's nobody underneath that uh, in terms of rankings and just comparing those against. Uh, her record and look at all right number one rank currently is uh germaine uh she's beaten her where to go there it is uh she just beat her back at the end of last year uh then you got holly holm okay uh yep beat her uh also back at last year so then you flip it aspen lad that might be your fight hasn't faced aspen lad yet yeah, I, I mean, that's a fight you could definitely make. I thought it was going to be Irene Aldana. Mm-hmm. Or Aldana, I'm sorry. Uh, I thought it was going to be her, but actually they just booked her and Holly Holm to fight. Mm. So number five and number two are going to fight mm. in the women's bandweight division. Right. So now, I mean, I, I I understand if a fighter is going to be inactive for a while. Sure. And I could understand if Nunez does take time off. But it's honestly, who's next? Yeah. And that's, that's the question the UFC is going to have to do. I and I've been very vocal on the show. I thought it was a mistake they let Cyborg go. That's mm-hmm. the fight they should have made. That would have been the ultimate rematch. That would have been one of the biggest fights in MMA history. Oh yeah, easily. Men's and women's. Easily. So now what do you do? And Dana's gonna have to answer that question. Because mm-hmm. Nunez is just running away with everything right now, unless you see something really crazy like a fighter steps up from flyweight that can really catch on fire and, and go on the bantam weight. Or, or um, yeah, in the bantamweight division, I keep on thinking featherweight too. But it's just now it's it's wide open for competition. So, yeah. so whoever can really step up and do it, I and like I say, the fight that was mentioned for women's MMA though that really has me intrigued. That Dana said maybe in a couple fights is mm-hmm. Willie Zhang mm-hmm. versus Shevchenko. Oh, sign me up. Yeah, I'd be all I'd be all for that. Take my money if, now if they want to do that um, at featherweight or I mean a flyweight rather. But there's going to be so many questions for the women's divisions coming up that we're going to start seeing now that they're going to be doing more fights. But who's the true number one contender to Amanda Nunez? It's wide open right mm-hmm. now. Wide open. So overall, though, UFC 250 had a great night of fights. After the fights, though, that's when everybody decided to get on social media and start complaining. So the proverbial floodgates opened. Which... I. 
I guess I, I kind of look at it now and go, okay, why is everybody now suddenly complaining about their fight contracts? They're not getting fights, X, Y, and Z, because all of a sudden we have Jorge Masvidal is asking for his release. Sure. And was very vocal that he's questioning about the pay scale for the UFC and was being very you know direct to Dana White that he that he felt that something was not right there and wanted to talk to him about it and, mm-hmm. and was saying if you're not you know if you're gonna basically not pay me what I'm worth I can leave so please release me. Mm-hmm. This is following in the footsteps of John Jones who essentially said the same thing. Right. Then we had the one and only Conor McGregor come out and over the course of the weekend decided to announce he's retiring, quote-unquote. For the third time. Again. For the third time. So, Pad, let me ask you this. The, what is what is your thoughts on all this? I don't buy the Conor McGregor thing for one second. You know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I don't know what the saying is for the third time, but it applies here. I don't buy Conor McGregor retiring for the third time for any ounce of anything. Mm-hmm. I think it's a negotiating tactic. I think he's, you know... Is cluttered and messed up as the UFC is just because of C-19 and everything getting shut down and everything getting pushed back and, and what have you. I think things aren't moving at the pace he would like them to. I think he would have liked to have been fighting by now and have a fight under his belt by now. Because if I'm not mistaken, he came out of his last fight. He was perfectly fine. There was, mm-hmm. there was nothing wrong. There was no medical suspensions of any sort for him. Right. You know, so I think it's a negotiating tactic. And I think he's just playing, you know, a hardball in, in the public eye to get the ball rolling. You know, that it's real easy for his camp to call Dana's camp and, you know, hey, darn it, I saw you called, but I, you know, I did, my phone was in the other room. Couldn't wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know, not really. It's one thing to do that, but I think it's another thing to kind of put it out in the public and, and kind of put the public pressure on because is love him or hate him. Connor brings in the eyes. He puts the butts in the proverbial seats, although in this case they're couches, mm-hmm. and he brings in the dollars that you got a lot of people who, outside of a Conor McGregor fight, they don't buy a UFC event. That all of a sudden, if Conor McGregor goes, yeah, I'm retiring because you know I don't like any of the fights they're pitching to me, you're going to have a lot of people online who go start sending messages you know, on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter to Dana White and UFC going, book Conor now, give him the fight he wants. So I, th- I think it's all just a PR stunt on his part. Yeah, I fully agree with you because the fight divisions that he is in, lightweight and welterweight, have – pretty much been a place where he could definitely insert himself into any contendership match and it would draw a buzz mm-hmm. and he would definitely make some noise for pay-per-view dollars. Oh yeah. My, my stance with him though, in regards to jumping in and, and leapfrogging people in the division is, is the same as it is with anything regarding him stick around and fight more than once every five years. Fully agree. And you got a leg to stand on. Yeah. But, but this whole fight a guy, you duck and hide and go, and go do whatever. Now, realize you got a kid and you're raising, an, uh, I don't know how old the kid is. It's it's relatively young. Mm-hmm. You know, fine. Understand that. I get that. I'm not throwing shit on the guy for raising a child. Congratulations. You have a child. Mm-hmm. But this whole duck and then go do your own stuff and whatever, like, no, fight more consistently. And then if you say, oh, yeah, I want to leapfrog a division and fight the champ, if you fight more consistently, I'd say, yeah, sure, go ahead. But you don't. I think Connor has a real tough time realizing that he doesn't move the needle as much as he used to. Oh, yeah. And I think the UFC has moved on from him and his antics mm-hmm. because the fight that he was claiming that he should have gotten after beating and I don't want to say over the hill because that is not the right wording. No. But, but let's just say 
Cowboy Cerrone is on the decline. To say the skill levels aren't where they once were for Cowboy. Right, and it's not a shot against him no. by any – any. He's no. Just, he's up against Father Time. It he's, happens with everybody. Baseball players, they swing the bat a little slower. Peyton Manning at the end of his career didn't have the same zip on the old arm. Yeah, so obviously with Connor defeating him as he did, did that fight warrant him getting an interim title shot? No. No, so, no. so him crying that he should have fought Justin Gaethje – and because Habib is not fighting until September, that's ludicrous. Because mm-hmm. that fight should have happened a while ago. Yeah. If Connor was still drawing some numbers, I said I've wanted to see that fight forever, but not for the interim title shot. I don't think. Yeah, no, I, I, I think if you hit the nail on the head. The biggest thing is Connor is realizing he doesn't move the needle like he once did. Because a couple, you think back a couple of years ago, John was going through his antics. Mm-hmm. Ronda was gone. You know. uh, uh, George St. Pierre wasn't exactly walking through the doors anytime soon, and, and Chuck Liddell was long since retired. Mm-hmm. So all of the names that UFC used to lean on to, like, you know, you know, bring in some pay per view buys were gone. Yeah, they really didn't have a face. So while Connor was there, and Connor was the only name and the only real marketable name they had, yeah, he's moving the needle. Yeah, he's putting the butts in the seats. But now you've got enough people. Men and women in that in that organization that can move the needle and that can bring in the pay-per-view buys, they don't have to put up with his bullshit anymore. Right, and that's the thing that I he, I don't think he realizes. I, and I think that he just thinks he can come back in whatever he wants, and he's, he's the one that was definitely the trendsetter for the UFC. You know, the straw that stirred the drink. Yeah, but he realizes that the glass is empty. Mm-hmm. That you're in there, and yeah, sure, you're making noise, and we notice, but yeah. it's not enough to really say, wow, give him an immediate title shot. No. I'm sorry, you left. You took time off. Yep. You, you went away to go box. Yeah. So you're Look not... Look how that went. Well, exactly. And I know that he's now they're talking about doing a rematch there. Why? Floyd will do the exact same thing to you. Yeah. I'll save you the click. So for him to be saying he's retiring, if it's true, but I don't buy it, I think he's just trying to use it for leverage. This will last about a month, and then he'll come back. In the case of Masvidal, I find it very interesting that he brings up some points that allegedly he was saying that he was getting offered less money to fight Usman than mm-hmm. he did uh, when he, he got a big payday to fight Nate Diaz for the okay. BMF title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's saying, why is it I'm getting a bigger payday for an imaginary title when I am fighting your champion right. and I'm making less? Yeah, that doesn't quite make sense. Which, if, if it's true, it, he does bring up a valid point. Oh, yeah. No, and, totally. And that's where I think the UFC would have to renegotiate if that is the case. And he's he's saying, well... If you paid me X amount of money for this fight, you should be paying me closer yeah. to Y about this. And I'm yeah. sure it's a negotiating tactic. Yeah. Because unfortunately for him, he's not getting the title shot. Uh-huh. That has been announced for Fight Island, actually. Uh-huh. So what does his uh, negotiating tactic do now? I think there's a couple different options we can do in Masvidal. If he wants to fight Conor McGregor, and make that into a big money fight. There's an audience that'll watch it. I'd be watching it. Or the fight that I think a lot of people want to see. I know Rich from 3FN has been screaming about it since it happened the first time, and I would have no issue with this. And that is fight Nate Diaz again. Yeah. Because if you're fighting for the BMF title, to have it stopped by a cut, which, let's face it, yep. whenever a Diaz fights, they bleed. A lot. A lot. To have it get stopped like it did, um, I want to say it kind of puts an asterisk if you're going to call it the BMF title. Yeah. 
So make that fight. That's your big one if you want to if you want to demonstrate that that's what is really driving the fans. Because now you're on the outside looking in for a title shot you should have gotten, but it's just all part of the politicking of fights and sports. Oh yeah. So where do we go from here is anybody's guess. But Dana actually gave us a solution for a lot of these questions. So we're going to take a quick break and talk about them when we come back. But hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about UFC 250? And what is your thoughts about Conor McGregor and Jorge Masvidal? Do you think that getting released from the UFC is going to solve the problems they're bringing up? Do you think that the UFC should be really trying to accommodate them for their fights? What is your take on this? We definitely want to have that conversation. And we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleets. And we're from... Book of Lies, the podcast, where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. You can tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another lowdown, dirty liar, and learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies podcast. You can connect with us on social media, Twitter at Book of Lies pod, Facebook, and Instagram at Book of Lies podcast. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Vince the Cowman Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast. Coming back for the second segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we are going UFC heavy uh-huh. because we thought, okay, the first segment was going to be all recap and what's going on and the drama that's been going on in social media with the fighters. But no, Dana White says, guys, I'm going to give you some more to talk about. Yeah. And we finally have the official announcement. I can't say this without laughing. Uh-huh. I'm just blown away that we are living in a day and age where we're going to have Mortal Kombat. Uh, it's not even Mortal Kombat because Mortal Kombat should be out in the middle of nowhere where like you can't easily get to it. Not like wait across a freaking creek to get to it. Pad, why don't you break down the big announcement that happened today? So if we all remember and you, if you've been listening to the show for a while, uh, you remember a couple months back, Dana White said that in the midst of all the C-19 pandemic and all the countries and all the sporting venues getting shut down, that if he had to, he was going to buy an island to have these UFC fights that he was going to somehow break the quarantines and the no flying stuff going on with all the countries and where the fighters are located, get the fighters to the Island and have fights. And what the big question we all had was a, where the hell is this B mm. who's going to sanction this thing? Uh, we got an answer to at least one of those. And it is possibly the most depressing thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm not sugarcoating it. We know where fight Island is. Is it in the Indian ocean? No. Is it in the Atlantic? No. Is it in the Pacific? No. no. Is it in the uh, the uh, North Arctic Sea, you know, up around the North Pole? Is, no. As interesting as that be, no. That'd be incredible, but no. Is it in the, the South Arctic Ocean, you know, the South Pole, Antarctica? No. Is it going down the Susquehanna River here in the local 607? No. It's in Abu Dhabi. 
Uh, and it is Yaz Island, spelled, and you can Google this and pull up the maps of where this thing is. Uh, it is Y-A-S space Island. This, now, this thing, at least under my definition, is not an island. Google search what island it means. Uh, according to Google, uh, the definition of island is, quote, a piece of land surrounded by water. I know, okay, on the one side, you have a, a fairly de- decent sized bit of water, you know, maybe a, you know, a harbor or something of that sort. But the rest of it is these little man-made dug rivers. And even one is, is labeled a creek surrounding this thing that, and it's not some big island that Dana White bought and oh my God, he, no. In the middle of this thing is Ferrari World Abu Dhabi and Ikea and Warner Brothers World, along with a mall. So, and if you look on Google Maps with this thing, there's a lot of parking. There's a hotel and there's a, there's a boatload of parking. So, the running speculation online is he worked a deal out because they're, they're listing this as on public beach. So, the working theory is that... He worked a deal with the government or whoever owns the land over there, and he's renting the land while they have this octagon on the beach. And that he, he didn't buy an island, and he probably never did plan on buying an island, but he backed himself into a corner when everyone thought, oh my God, that's such a great idea. It's such a baller move. And then he had to follow through on it. But he realized, oh wait, I can't actually buy an island. Yeah, I just am in shock and awe that he is going to have fights on... Mm-hmm. Like I say, I, I'm almost like at a loss for words. Like, this is really happening. Yeah. That we're not going to fight. I mean, I, I can understand if you do an outdoor stadium, sure, but he, this is literally he's just going to set up shop on a public beach. I mean, look at it this way. The fighters get done with their fights early. There's a couple of go-kart places nearby that they can probably go check out. This is kind of... I'm not kidding. This is just wild. Like, Pat has the map up, um, and I'm just I'm looking at it and looking how it's going to be set up, and there is a picture. I mean, it look, it's going There's to be... There's an Ace Hardware store! Yes. What the hell? They have they have are gonna have so much like it's not gonna be the secluded island that we all thought it was gonna be. No. So that's that's the point we're trying to stress. And maybe about that's on us for thinking this, but I didn't think for one like I'm literally looking at this. There's at least two bridges into this into this island, three bridges into this island. Mm-hmm. But just looking at the bodies of water now, I've never been to this place. I don't know how deep the water is. This water doesn't exactly look like the English Channel. Mm-hmm. It looks like I can swim the darn thing and get over there. So this isn't the exact you know Mortal Combat Island I think people were hoping. For. Yeah, that's that's what I say. Like I I'm just in shock that Dana has pulled this off. And I was waiting to after the more I was thinking about this, like it was Fantasy Island. Like Dana was really hyping up because he was being <laughs> so secretive about this. Maybe this is why he held off for so long of telling us where it was because this is depressing well like i say they're still building a stadium too for it to house it oh yeah because there is pictures up on espn uh showing this as well that it's going to be an indoor so it's not going to be fully outside it's going to have to be indoor because of the bloody weather yeah got curious about that because as anyone knows middle east this time of year a little hot yes uh currently you know look going to accuweather.com and looking up the weather for the island the forecasted high for uh June 10th, as we record, in Fahrenheit is 109 degrees uh, Fahrenheit with a real feel of 117. Celsius, that's 42 for you international listeners. Mm-hmm. listeners uh, that's 42.7 degrees Celsius. The low for the 10th is 88 degrees Fahrenheit with a real feel of 100 degrees. And in Celsius, 88 degrees is 31.1 degrees Celsius. It's hotter than hell. Yeah. 
So that's why I say you have to have it indoors. It's going to be indoors. In fact, I know they're still building more stuff to it as well. So not only are we going to have the arena, like, do I even call it an arena? No. You're going to have the complex that is going to house this. It, you know what it reminds it reminds me of is I don't know what it is now, but over here in our neck of the woods, you remember there used to be on Old Vessel Road that like indoor soccer stadium. Yeah, it reminds me of that just with an octagon stuck in the middle of it. Okay, well that's fair. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be just a, a sports complex that is going to be out on the beach. And I, I'm reading as well, too, that they're going to have a training octagon as well. Okay. So they're really going to expand this out. But for the original idea that we're going to have Mortal Kombat, literally, it, it's going to be... Oh, sorry, a, if you listen closely, you can hear the, the air getting let out of everyone's balloon. Right. But just the fact that this has been the big plan for Dana to combat C-19 and still do fights and get around the no crowd issue and international and, 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 travel. And for me, like, okay, cool that you're being gung-ho and, and really hardcore hell-bent on doing this. There was a part of me that while I didn't agree with them, like, all right, you know, cool, good on you for being so, you know, wanting to get this done. It, it's it's less exciting now that because it seemed like, oh, my God, you went out and bought an island. Yeah. That, oh, it's out in the middle. that You found an island that, you know, you worked a deal out with whoever owned the thing, be it a country or some private investor, bought the thing, and you're flying or boating all the pieces out there, and you're building the thing there. Now it's kind of less exciting because, oh, you just worked a deal out with the government for a space, an open beach that they probably, I don't know the, what the laws are over in Abu Dhabi at the moment, mm-hmm. that they might not even be able to go to anyway. So... Oh, hey, you're not doing anything with that beach. You mind if we borrow it for three weeks? Yeah, it's absolutely wild to see how this is all taking place, but this is a real deal. And, yeah. And now we have an idea when the fights are going to be held. Highly encourage you to Google Google search it, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Again, Yas, Y-A-S, Island. Yes, and we definitely need to have that conversation on social media, so don't be afraid to hit us up about this. Hashtag ODPH, and we will definitely discuss this a little more in detail. But the big takeaway from this, though, mm-hmm. is they have announced four fights, or four fight nights, should I say, rather, okay. that they're going to be starting uh, with UFC 251, which will be on pay-per-view. Okay. That will take place July 11th. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to have follow-up cards on July 15th, 18th, and the 25th. So... They have already announced some big main events, and I'm not sure how this is all getting worked out on the cards. Mm-hmm. We do have official confirmation that Kamaru Usman will defend the welterweight title against Gilbert Burns. Okay. So that is the one, like we said last segment, Jorge Masvidal is outside looking in now. Mm-hmm. Gilbert Burns has accepted the fight. He is obviously doing that great performance against Tyrone Woodley. He has shot up the card. He is now going to get his title shot. Yep. Uh, also on the card is rumored, but I haven't seen an official signing yet, of Alexander Volkanovsky against uh-huh. Max Holloway for the featherweight title. So it'll be an immediate rematch, uh, which that should be a very interesting fight, too. Yeah. And uh, Peter Yan will be taking on Jose Aldo for the bantamweight title. So. Uh, those card, those matches all are official. I'm looking at a tweet from Ariel Helwani. Pardon. Uh, six hours ago, as we record, uh, they came out of Dana White's mouth on first take this morning. So that's all on two fifty one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said uh, Ariel Helwani. Uh, this is uh, this morning. This was earlier today, as we record. Quote: This is the main card for UFC two fifty one per Dana White on first take. Usman versus Burns, Volkanovski versus Holloway, as you mentioned, and then some other ones. That is absolutely crazy how they yeah. stack that card. Three uh, he, title fights. Yeah, and then you also have Yan versus Aldo. Namajunas versus Andrade 2, and then Van Zant versus Rebus. Ribus, however you say that. That's the main card. Mm-hmm. That's your main card for 251. 
Um, sign me up. That's that's a little stacked. That's that's extremely stacked. Well, I, I believe that that was going to be the original plan for International Fight Week in Vegas. Probably. It, so, it, it's stacked enough that they're like, okay, yeah, you see what they're doing. Because they usually go very, very stacked for that card. So overall thoughts on that card, Pad? Uh, take my money. Take my money now. Insert the gif from uh, of Fry from Futurama. Like, take my money now. Yeah, I don't have any issue with any of the fights made, um, except maybe the Usman one. I, I know Burns is on a hot streak right mm-hmm. now, and obviously he's the one who was willing to fight. And I, I don't know the money back and forth they were having Mazu at all. Mm-hmm. I, like I say, I understand, though, if you're somebody that wants to really excel in the card and you said, hey, I'll take it, whatever you want to do, he's willing to jump up and, and step up the fight, hey, more power to him. I yeah. That's going to be a great fight. Burns, like I said, is on one hell of a streak right now. And Usman is just sitting there waiting for any competition. Oh, yeah. And for the featherweight title, I mean, Volkanovski is definitely going to be ready for Holloway, too. I mean, see how Max comes back from, you know, being defeated like that? That's going to be a really telling sign, too. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, obviously when you face somebody the first time and how that turns out, you really have to kind of sit back and go, okay, what happens after this? Yeah. And, I mean, that was a very, very good clinic that Volkanovski put on Holloway. So what changes has he made? What is he going to do that's really going to be the the catalyst to get him over the hill there and get the big right. win? So we don't know. And then, like I said, for the bantamweight title, uh, like I say, I understand why they, they put Jose Aldo in there. I personally would not have. Mm-hmm. But I understand he is a name and he is definitely has a pedigree to go along with that name. So that being said, that should be a fun fight too. I do like Yan in that one early, so we'll just kind of leave it at that. But, I mean, not take nothing away from Jose Aldo. Like no. I said, his pedigree speaks for himself. Arguably the greatest featherweight of all time. Arguably. Let's say we do have some early predictions coming in for the three title fights and who this person or how this person thinks they'll go. Uh, said person is uh, some dude named Habib Nurmagomedov. Oh. You might have heard of him. Uh, said on Instagram earlier today, Usma, and I'm quoting him, quote, Usman, Yan, Holloway, close quote. Wow. Okay. We'll have to definitely. So he's made his predictions known. Well, like I say, I and I, I agree with him. I mean, on two of them mm-hmm. at least. I mean, I just like I, like I said, this will go back and forth when I start seeing footage and seeing how yeah. fighters are looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's really amazing to see how they stack this card, and mm-hmm. for fight fans. This is insane that they pulled this off. Yeah. And let alone this is going to be where they're going to be having more fights take place. I have a feeling that we're not done with Fighter Island after July. I fully think that this is where they're going to house Habib versus Gaethje in September. I do think, as has been announced just as we're talking, Stipe Miocic, Daniel Cormier 3 is locked and loaded for August 15th, uh, venue to be named. Mm Mm-hmm. So I definitely think you'll see a lot more fights happening here. And then it has been officially confirmed by Daniel Cormier. This will be his last fight, mm-hmm. win, win, lose, or draw. Yep. Uh, so, I mean. One last thing with the UFC 251, also on the card, uh, Frankie Edgar and Pedro Munoz. That'll be a fun fight, too. Yeah, well. Well, you know, this is what the UFC needs to do. If you really want to make a big splash on, on your hyped-up island and mm-hmm. everybody is waiting to see how this is going to play out. Yeah. You really got to stack that card, and especially for UFC fans, one thing that we always complain about is when cards are not stacked yeah. for being pay-per-views. And, yeah. And, I mean, take nothing away from UFC 250, but like we said in the promo or the beginning of the show, 
there wasn't anything really moving the needle other than seeing Nunez be great mm-hmm. and seeing if Spencer could pull off the upset. But the yeah. bantamweight division, you really didn't know what we're going to get out of those fighters. Right. Very surprising finishes. Very great action. So, I mean, that being said, you don't know. But for the UFC to stack this as much as they are. Mm-hmm is really sending a message to the fans that, hey, we want this to be taken seriously. We want yeah. you to tune in, especially when they're having fights that close back-to-back-to-back. Because, mm-hmm. like I say, for how the schedule is written, they're going to kick off on the 11th, and there's a card on the 15th, so four days later. Three days after that is another card, right. and then they take a week off and come back on the 25th. Right. Overall, man. I'll say this. Uh, we did get opening odds for the Stipe Miocic Daniel Cormier part three fight. Mm. Uh, this is according to the Westgate Superbook, and I'm going to show you the picture. Uh, both fighters are opened at minus 110. I'm not surprised by that. Neither am I. I'll, I'll be honest. To give an early prediction on that one, Miocic has been out a long time. Mm hmm. Cormier has been sitting on the sidelines. Yeah. They've held up the heavyweight division till they've decided to finally get this worked out, which I'm glad they did. To the point where I think if I, if I was understanding the wording and, and the wordage right, uh, they pissed off in Kanu a little bit. Oh, they absolutely did because he's in there being active and saying, I'm ready to go. He's knocking heads off like it's Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Yeah. And, and they're just sitting there, you know, now understandably, Miosic doing his thing. He's a firefighter back in Cleveland. He's got that whole thing going on. So mm. fully understand that. Yeah. But – Still, the division's been getting held up here, and Ngannou's been knocking guys' heads off. Well, that's the thing. When you have a, a champion that disappears from their division, and this has been a problem the UFC has had for years, for, yeah. for various reasons, yeah. I should say. It shouldn't just be they disappear. I mean, like I said, when Connor didn't fight because he wanted to go box, well, that, mm-hmm. was, that was another situation. Mm-hmm. When they've had ones that have been injured and, and not been able to compete. I mean, it's a weird situation to try explaining to fans. But this one has just been they wanted to do the rematch for so long and different variations of events have have halted this from doing the match. Mm-hmm. Now we finally get it. So it makes sense. It, it's the perfect way to go out. I mean, for Daniel Cormier, win, lose, or draw, you, you finally answer the question, who's been the who's the best heavyweight champion of this of this generation, mm-hmm. should we say? I mean, or you know, the, at least the past 10 years. You have to bring that to the equation. Because Cormier has been a great champion, so is Miosic. Yeah, yeah. And then what happens after that? That's the fun part. We don't know because then is John Jones going to finally step up? No. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's another one that we don't know. It's going to happen. That whole God is just sitting there waiting for them to fight so he can figure out all right which which tape do I have to watch so I can figure out how to take their head off. Well, the thing about Ngannou, which I would say is this: he's not going to fight Cormier. No. So it would be Miosic or Jones. The one thing Ngannou needs to be working on, if he has not done this already, his wrestling defense. Yeah. Because he has very little wrestling skill to him. Or just well, work on real close uppercuts. Well, that's the thing. He It's the ultimate question. Can somebody withstand his strikes as they go in for a takedown? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, as hard as we've seen him hit, imagining a Stipe or a John Jones going in for a clinch and trying to take him to the ground. And you just let his right hand get free, and it just starts swinging upward with all the force in the world. Good lord! Yeah, it's not. That a, might actually look like Mortal Kombat. Well, like I say, it's not an easy thing to withstand. And no. and if you really want to go through, and Ganu's history with Miosic, Miosic did win. Mm-hmm. So, but Miosic wrestled him a lot. Yeah, yeah. So he yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's how you beat a striker: is you take him down to the mat. So it all depends on what Ngannou has been doing to get ready for this. And if he's going to stand there with John Jones, which I think makes a lot of sense, if John is complaining about a payday, 
that's a big money payday mm-hmm. with him and Ganu at this stage. Why not take it? Because then that'll clear up a little, you know, I guess question marks you would have about who's going to be right, next after this. Right. Because if Cormier wins, the belt goes vacant. Yep. If Miosic wins, it depends on what he wants to do. And would he take on Nganu again, which I think he would. Oh, absolutely. Or does, you know, who knows? He might just say, I'm done with this too. I mean, there's Maybe. so many questions that are going to come out of, that we're going to finally get some answers to. Yeah. Which I think I'm more excited about. I mean, for overall, like I said, with Fight Island, for what Dana's doing, as long as he's adhering to the safety rules, and that's always been my first thing, and he's demonstrated it, mm-hmm. that they've been very mindful of making sure everybody is safe and healthy coming in and coming out. Yep. As long as he continues this over at Fight Island, I don't have an issue with this. If I just hear this kind of running rampant and we're not following the same guidelines that he set in Florida, I will be very critical about this. Oh, yeah. But for what he's putting on the, t- on the table right now, it's an exciting month of July to be looking forward to. And I know that I believe there's at least a couple more fight cards that are supposed to be taking place beforehand, but let's face it, everybody now has got July 11th circled on their calendars. Oh, yeah. And for UFC 251, that is going to be a must-watch. So Fight Island, get ready. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about Fight Island, and what is your thoughts about the fights announced? Let's have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, it's Kyle. And Nick. And we're from Dem Fancy Dinosaurs, a weekly comedy podcast revolving around movies, TV shows, and pop culture. We release a new episode every Thursday. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts? Why did you say that like a question? I don't know. Okay, anyway, yes, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any of the podcatchers. Or you can look up www.demfancydinosaurs.com. Thanks, guys. Stay fancy and enjoy the rest of the show. This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Coming back for the third segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and let's talk some basketball. Mm-hmm. The NBA officially has announced they're going to Disney World. Oh wait, might be a little soon. Well, break it down for us, Pat. Yeah. So uh, last week it was reported by Adrian Wojnarowski uh, from ESPN uh, that the NBA Board of Governors voted uh, this past Thursday to approve a 22-team format to restart the 2019-2020 season July 31st in Orlando, Florida. Uh, sources told ESPN that the vote was 29 to 1, with the Portland Trailblazers voting against the proposal. The National Basketball Players Association has been working closely with league officials on the plan, and the NBA uh, Players Association team player representatives approved the proposal Friday, sources told ESPN. Uh, Adam Silver said the board's approval of the restart format is a necessary step toward resuming the NBA season. While the COVID-19 pandemic presents a formidable ch- presents formidable challenges, we are hopeful uh, of finishing the season in a safe and responsible manner based on strict protocols now being finalized with public health officials and medical experts. We also recognize that we are pre- 
as we prepare to resume play. Our society is reeling from recent tragedies of racial violence and injustice, and we will continue to work closely with our teams and players to use our collective resources and influence to address these issues in, a, in very real and concrete ways. Close quote. So what is this exact plan, may you ask? Uh, under the plan, 13 Western Conference teams and nine Eastern Conference teams will play eight regular season, air quotes here, seeding games. Uh, a possible play-in tournament for the eighth seed and playoffs are, will be held at the Walt Disney World Resort, specifically the ESPN Wide World of Sports uh, Complex. Uh, the top 16 teams in the Eastern and Western Conferences will be joined by teams currently within six games of eighth place in the two conferences. Uh, those teams are New Orleans, Portland, San Antonio, Sacramento, Phoenix, and Washington. Uh, the play-in tournament will include the number eight and number nine teams in a conference. If the ninth seed finishes the regular season within four games of the eighth, in that case, the number nine seed will would need to beat the number eight seed twice to earn the playoff berth, while the number eight would need one win from two potential uh, from the two potential games. Uh, the NBA s- said the season's resumption is contingent on an agreement with the Walt Disney Company. Uh, which owns ESPN, to use the Walt Disney World Resort for all games, practices, and housing. Teams will begin training in Orlando starting July 9th through the 11th, sources said. Uh, The league also offered dates beyond the July 31st, October 12th season window, with the draft lottery being set on August 25th, the NBA draft on October 15th, and the 2020-2021 season likely beginning December 1st, Sources told ESPN that free agency could begin October 18th with training camps starting November 10th, uh, though teams were told to consider the free agency date as flexible. Uh, Some members of the board of governors whose teams were left out of the Orlando restart disagreed with the 22-team format but decided to cast yes votes. So there we go. There we have it. I think the other thing I've read, too, is that don't be surprised if next season is a shorter season just to keep things for the season after that in relatively same timing, same format, because it's like we said in past episodes, you know, if the NBA went through with this plan and did, you know, they're playing to October or whatever the heck it ends up being, you're screwing up the season for the next God knows how many years. Mm-hmm. So that's the current rumor I've been reading online today is don't be surprised if next season is a bit shorter. Fully applaud this. Stated. Yeah. Fully, fully, fully behind this. Fully applaud this. The only thing I don't agree with this is the Washington Wizards making it in with a record of 24 and 40. Is Don't it, get that one. Is it due to mathematically still being eligible in the East? No, nah, I think it's because they're within the the requisite number of games. That's what I mean. Like, it, yeah, they're like they're the, not they're mathematically still in it. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're still they're still mathematically in it somehow. Because Charlotte, who was right behind them, was eliminated. They had one less loss and or one less win and two more losses. So who knows? But a team make it in there with a winning percentage of three seventy five doesn't exactly you know, tickle my fancy. No, it doesn't, but I think they'll get out of the playoffs very quickly. I mean, Probably. let's let's just face it. Probably. But kudos to the NBA, man. Yeah. They, they get it. They understand. We need to make sacrifices to our season if we're going to have it, because let's face it, C-19 decided to completely wreck everything. Yeah. For everybody. Yeah. But they're making the best of a bad situation. The players aren't sitting there arguing about how many games they're going to play and the mm-hmm. money. Everybody is doing this for the fans. Baseball, take note. Yeah. I'm sorry. The baseball, that's why we haven't really been talking about it because they're still arguing, and it's pointless to see when they're complaining about money, but yet you look at the NHL, you look at the NBA now, 
everybody is getting it except them, which, like I say, I can't stress enough. The NBA has been so smart about this. The setup works because even if they're going to do the play-in games, that's like a preseason welcome back. So I get it. And for the playoff seating, just to get teams involved, sure, do it. Nobody's going to be mad about this. Uh And I think under the circumstances, we have to realize that all these players have been rested up for for a good – You're going to have a full – for at least two months. Yeah, so – Because this will start – uh, training camp, quote unquote training camp, you know, will start on July 9th. So that's a month from today as we record. Mm-hmm. You will, and and when did the season stop? That was back in February, February, March, February, March. So let's let's just say March. You had all of March, April, May, and June. You've had a f- LeBron sitting there. You know, a LeBron. Take your pick of the players. Kawhi. You know, what have you resting for four months exactly good lord you are going to have the best playoffs you have seen in the modern era oh yeah i and i will say there's some other stuff here in the article from espn.com that i was reading from that i love and i hope they keep this for future playoffs down the road uh one of the things is there it is uh the nba is expected to be aggressive in moving up the dates to start playoff series when the previous rounds series comes to an end Love that idea. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things I hate with other, you know, series-based playoff games. That Like, okay, if the other two teams are ready to go, just let them go. Just why do you got to wait for everybody else? Just go. Uh, NBA Finals format is expected to include games every other day. Love that setup because that's the one thing. I, I, as much fun as it is to watch the NBA Finals, that is one thing I kind of hate that it's like, okay, game on Sunday. And you got to wait till Thursday because they, for them to play again, and it's not a travel issue. No, it definitely isn't. And this, like I say, how the NBA is handling this, fully applaud. Mm-hmm. And I, I cannot be more excited to see where they're going to go from here. Oh, yeah. Because now they're setting a blueprint that, okay, we're having a short season. We're still going to make this fall in line with the integrity of the game and the situation going on outside the game. Yep. How can you be mad about this? No, I mean, unless you're one of the teams that are on the outside looking in. And I know in our group chat, group text, we were, uh, I believe Coach Duffy brought it up. You know, for some of these teams, like a Charlotte, Chicago, Knicks, Detroit, Atlanta, Cleveland, or on the flip side, Minnesota, Golden State, you're now looking at, what is it, seven months before you're fought six months before you're looking at them playing competitive basketball again? It's a lengthy layoff. Yeah, it is. But I think also at the same token, it makes the league better to go forward mm-hmm. than to sit there and wait. Yeah. And I understand that the teams that are outside looking in, you're going to be off an extended period of time. But you're also professional athletes. Yeah. So it's not like you're not going to be practicing somewhere away from the league. Mm-hmm. And then when you get back to the league, it'll start up again. I understand your the argument that coach was bringing up, and, and it is a valid one. I'm not I'm not disputing yeah. that. That okay, they're going to have this extended time off from competition in basketball. Mm-hmm. They've also been playing for how many years? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's going to be like riding a bicycle. You're yeah, just, it's going to take some repetitions, but it'll be back to normal. Well, and you got you know and it. you got to figure with some of these players and and the home gyms they must have that it, it as, as restrictions get lifted and people are able to go out and do things. You know, if you have a Steph Curry who lives in the same neighborhood as, you know, whoever else is in the Western Conference or Eastern Conference nearby that, hey, group text, hey, guys, want to get together and play a game of pickup? That'll work. Yeah, I mean, how many times do you see other players in other leagues get together in the offseason yeah. and work on reps? Yeah. 
I will fully bank that the NBA is going to be doing that as well. Just make sure Michael Jordan's not there because he will be taking information on all y'all. Exactly. But that's why I say for the NBA, I don't feel that bad that the other teams are going to be outside looking in because they get it and mm-hmm. they understand what's going on, that we have to we have to finish the season out. Yeah. Doing it the right way. You're doing it in a safe, isolated location as you need to per health guidelines with C-19. Should be noted. Uh, read some a tweet someplace because, hey, somebody was curious and it got answered. Uh, players will not be able to go to Disney World and ride the rides while they're there. And that's smart. Yes. Just get down to business. Give us the league yeah. that we want. Give us the play that we want. Mic up the players uh, and coaches on the sideline. If, if there aren't going to be fans in the, in the audience, which I imagine there won't, Mic them up. I want. I want. I realize. You know, have it on a delay, and beep out, bleep out any swearing. But I would love to hear some of the trash talking on the court between you know a LeBron and you know a Kawhi or something like that. You know, or so just I just I'd love to hear it. It'd be it'd be amazing. Yeah. Well, I think that they're going to try doing something a little crazy like that, and obviously just giving us a professional league back. During this time period, mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I can't say thank you enough to the NBA. I mean, they get it. Yeah, and, and just so uh, people understand, here are the teams that are uh, in the quote unquote playoffs or whatever the heck you want to call this. No, it's playoffs. Let's just be uh, in the Eastern Conference, uh, from top to bottom, uh, you have Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Bucks at number one, Toronto Raptors at number two, Boston Celtics at number three, Miami Heat at number four, uh, Indiana Pacers at number five, Philadelphia 76ers at number six. Brooklyn Nets at number seven, although we should note with the Brooklyn Nets, both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have ruled themselves out for this, so mm-hmm. no KD or Kyrie for the Nets. Yeah, KD's not playing this entire season. Yep, and Kyrie has ruled himself out for the rest of this playoff thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, then at the eight, you have the Orlando Magic, and number nine, you have the Washington Wizards, like we mentioned. Out west, uh, if, again, top to bottom, you have the Los Angeles Lakers at number one, LA Clippers at number two, at number three, you have the Denver Nuggets. Four, the Utah Jazz. Five, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Six, the Houston Rockets. Seven, the Dallas Mavericks. Eight, the Memphis Grizzlies. And then you have the Portland Trailblazers at number nine. New Orleans Pelicans at number 10. 11, you have the Sacramento Kings. 12, you have the San Antonio Spurs. And 13, you have the Phoenix Suns. Can't go wrong with that. No, should be some great matchups. Very excited to see that. Early predictions. Once we get into the season again. We'll give our official playoff prediction. I'll say if it wasn't already, I'm going. I'm going right now, just because the, he was already playing like a man possessed mm-hmm. for the entire season, and then you factor in Kobe's death, he played even more like a man possessed. Yeah. Now you've got him rested for like five months, LeBron. I think it's going to wind up being the Clippers and the Bucks. A, I, I will a stick to that. West arrested LeBron to me is the scariest thing in the NBA. Well, that's the thing. He's going to be rested. He's going to be all firing all cylinders. So is everybody else. Any, oh yeah. Anybody that had nagging injuries. Should be long gone. It's going to be long gone. This is going to be the best time of basketball that we have seen, making the best of a negative situation. Fully on board with this. Cannot wait to start seeing some basketball back on television. Let's do it. Cannot, cannot, cannot wait. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about the NBA coming back? Do you like the short season? Do you not? And why? Let us know. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys.
coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Pad, what you got for that local minute? I got some local minute news in regards to Excite Wrestling. I know everyone's favorite federation here in the 607 area. I'm kind of wondering what's been going on. I know I myself have. We're supposed to have some shows here uh, as we record. Unfortunately, with C19 and everything getting shut down, we those aren't happening. So all it's been kind of quiet on the Western front, as they like to say, but we do have an update from Johnny Moose uh, via the Excite Wrestling Facebook page. I won't read the whole thing to you, but I do got some you know cliff notes, some bullet points here to hit. Uh, in regards to the Rock and Roll Express show that was supposed to take place last weekend, that was the show where the Rock and Roll Express, were, uh, apparently they got down from the cherry picker in uh, their one match with Broken Matt Hardy. Mm-hmm. So uh, they uh, that show isn't happening. Uh, no news. There was nothing in the post about a scheduled uh, rescheduling of the date or if they'll be rescheduled. So, you know, wait for news on that. Uh, there was supposed to be the first ever comedy show uh, with the ECW Originals uh, at the X that was supposed to take place this Saturday, June 13th. That isn't happening either. However, don't lose hope. Moose and company are working with the necessary parties in charge of that to work another date out. Uh, Moose said tentatively they're looking at August in that uh, he said, quote, if you purchase tickets for the event, you can either keep your purchase as is or we can refund you. We will announce the date as soon as it is confirmed. Close quote. Now, in regards to Excite Wrestling, uh, he said the athletic New York State Athletic Commission office is in New York City and is currently closed, and as such, they aren't approving uh, events. Uh, he also went on to say that uh, he asked for some clarifications on some stuff, but has yet to re- uh, receive any messages back. Uh, in the meantime, because, hey, the, you know, the folks at the mall and everybody in the area want to get some entertainment and stuff going on in the area, he has worked with the folks in charge of the Oakdale Mall to set up outdoor wrestling shows. Uh, we don't know when or where these shows will take place and the, the where is in regards to where outside the mall this will take place. Uh, because if you've been in the 607 area, you know there's a lot of parking and a lot of driving going on outside the mall. Yeah. So no, sh- not sure when or where those will be take place. And interestingly, he said in the post, the idea was actually pitched to him from the folks at the mall because they know they got they want to get some entertainment and stuff going on for everybody back in the area. Uh, and apparently it's not, you can't just easily set up a outdoor wrestling show in Broome County so easily. So the folks at the mall are being really gracious and helping them out and trying to get all the eyes dotted and T's crossed for it to happen. Mm. So for more information and if you want to read the full post, go definitely check out uh, Excite Wrestling's Facebook page. Yeah, so we'll definitely be covering this more where you're hearing about some news, but just getting everything back to quote-unquote normal. Mm-hmm. I hate saying that phrase, the new yeah. normal, but getting things back to where they were mm-hmm. seeing excite get back up in business and doing what they're doing uh, yeah, we're yeah. all on board with so i uh, just like i said stay tuned to the odph we'll definitely be covering that maybe we'll get johnny moose to do some skype in when he's ready to announce it yeah he has been promising he wants to come back on so we're just trying to figure out the perfect time to bring him on uh-huh. so that would definitely make sense and i guess since we're rounding the bases to take it home we should talk a little bit of wrestling yeah now i will say this we were streaming on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast but we were having some issues so we took the video down but we were live streaming the nxt event mm-hmm. takeover in your house and i will say this pad uh-huh did you see this event uh most of it i uh, fell asleep for a little bit of it just because i was exhausted but saw most of it rich and i both had to say on record and we will uh-huh. say this again on the wrestling show this week on 3fn network aew double or nothing was better Oh, really? I I will break it down really? a little bit. So we are going to be talking some spoilers, recapping the NXT event, because 
on paper, I was really excited about this card, and for whatever reason, it just didn't click. So let's huh. kick it off from the top, and let me get your feedback, too. Yeah, so uh, leading off the show, you had, uh, or at least the order I have them in, you had the six-person tag team match uh, with Mia Yim, Shotzi Blackheart, and Tegan Knox taking on Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez. Yeah, this one was a good opener mm-hmm. for the show. Oh, yeah. I, I thought they were having some timing issues on yeah. a couple of their... Yeah, And then, like, for the storytelling, too... It was really, I don't want to say all over the place, but they weren't really telling a concise story. Yeah, it, it just kind of felt like, oh, hey, we need another match. Yeah, why, you you six are here. Why don't we throw you in a match together? Yeah, like they didn't really set anything up, and it was just kind of hitting different spots here and there. Um, I was surprised that uh, Team Yim, Knox, and Blackheart won. Mm-hmm. I really thought it was going to be Candice LeRae since she's getting really pushed right now. Yeah. But I think they just kind of did that to maybe extend the feud with LeRae and, and Yim, which I'm completely on board with. I'll say the, the teaming is also weird because Candice, oh no, Candice LeRae is kind of a heel now. Never yep, mind. Yeah, she's a heel. Yeah, Never she, mind. I know. Everybody forgot so, that for a minute. Everybody's so used to her being a face, and yeah. now she's a heel. And Like, I'm not picturing her as the, like, evil Mrs. Uh, Johnny Gargano. John, Mrs. Johnny Gargano. I'm still picturing the, like, bubbling, smiling, hi, how are you, Candice LeRae? Yeah, and I think they're already trying to set up the breakup between Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. Like, they were doing oh. too many misses. They're, like, they were telegraphing a little too much. And then, like, for NXT, I guess I hold it to a higher regard. Sure. Because it's really been the better wrestling product oh, yeah. on, on oh, TV. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. so definitely had a little issues with that. Uh, after that, you had Finn Balor defeat Damian Priest. Uh, my match of the night. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, you can't go wrong with this matchup. Hands down, this Ooh. was a very good back and forth. A lot of action on both sides. Um, I will say this, though. I talk about Darby Allen taking crazy bumps. Mm-hmm. And if you've seen his Twitter lately, um, he's not clear to wrestle, but he's jumping out of buildings into pools. No, of course he is. Yeah, like, okay. Because that's not a bad idea. He takes, yeah, you can go go through the, the his Twitter timeline. You can see all this stuff. For me, I thought the there was a bad bump taken in this match. Mm. And this was, Damian Priest was trying to put Finn Balor on the razor's edge off the ring apron. Yeah. And Finn oh, got yeah. out of it, and he, and he oh, hit him yeah. on the steps. But I don't think he judged how far or how tall Damian Priest is because he's, no. he's a very tall individual. I'll say I don't think Finn's used to working with someone of that stature. Right. And when Priest landed on the side of the steps in the center of his back, it, yeah. it, it yeah. was cringeworthy. Because I'm, I'm just trying to think of like when Finn was on the main roster, if anybody was of that height. And the only ones that immediately come to mind are Braun and then uh, Baron Corbin. And he did face Brock at one point, too. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So maybe it did throw But that, I don't even really count that as facing Brock. Yeah, that's true. But for this one, though, very back and forth, I thought Damian Priest looked great, mm-hmm. which he's been in a lot of big matches, but he hasn't come up with a big win. I thought he should have won. Yeah. But this isn't really going to hurt him either. No. Because I think now he's going to be getting a little more high profile on the card, which is great. Oh, yeah. He's been putting on some like a really good storytelling in his matches. And Finn, I think, is just biding time till he fights Walter. I, I think it definitely opened up a lot of eyes for people because he's definitely had some great work over the last couple of you know months in, in the last year or so. But I think just because he's not exactly a household name or an internet darling, you know, like an Adam Cole, like mm. a Matt Riddle, where come in and they have instant, you know, five star, you know, success next to their name, that it, you know, okay, yeah, he didn't win, but he won overall because I think it would help. It helps open up a lot of people's eyes. Where normally, if a Damian Priest matchup came on, you might go, oh, time to go make some popcorn, get refill my soda or something like that. But they're like, oh, wait, Finn Balor's coming on. Got to watch Finn match. Yeah. 
So definitely a great match. Like I said, this was my match of the night, and rightfully so, because I don't think any other match on the card came close, except the next one we're going to talk about. Yeah, uh, that was for the North American Championship between Keith Lee and Johnny Gargano, with Keith Lee retaining his title. Okay, so, Pat, I'm going to ask you, because I did not pick up on this. Mm-hmm. When Gargano came out, mm-hmm. he, he was apparently cosplaying or paying homage to a character. Okay. Did you know who it was? No. The Mandalorian. Oh! Now that you say that, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, because both Rich okay. and I on the live stream and uh, everybody else that was <laughs> chiming in had no idea. Yeah, no, I couldn't. I, I knew he was cosplaying as somebody because that's his gimmick. Yeah, that's that, his gimmick. That's his gimmick. But I, because it's always been a Marvel character, be it a hero or a villain, I was running through. I even had, at one point, uh, I've got to outdate it now because they've updated it. Uh, uh, Marvel Encyclopedia at home, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, outdated now. But was I was flipping through my encyclopedia of like all the characters in this going, who the hell is he? Who? I never once considered Mandalorian. That makes sense though. Yeah, I, I he's, a, realize, he's a big Star Wars fan, so yeah, I didn't realize it at first because I know that the big thing was when he came out of the house because you have to remember in the night in in your house was the big nineties pay-per-view theme the wwe was doing and mm-hmm. i know at like one point they were like give, offering to give away a house and you always had this big like normal size house and with a garage door or, uh, you know just basically a, a way for the wrestlers to come to the ring mm-hmm. so this was when johnny gargano came through the front door and he had to use the key to lock up the house mm-hmm. and this came into play later because obviously he's been setting up the feud with him and keith lee great match um, I like I I get very annoyed though. At, like mm-hmm. Gargano has been playing off this key thing, and I know he stabbed uh, Lee in the eye again. Yeah, and I thought, okay, really kind of unnecessary. But I do like it that they did get the set involved because mm-hmm. I know Lee put Gargano through the the um what you call it? The, well, he did through the plexiglass at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I'm not mistaken. I thought he also threw him through one of the sides of the houses too. Shades of Shawn Michaels. Yeah, and it was definitely a, a little fun homage to. The past in your houses, mm-hmm. and this one, like I said, a uh, very good match back and forth. They did have some good storytelling. I know that Lee was selling the hand injury for a long yeah. time, and yeah, but I did. I thought it just didn't match up to Priest and Ballard per se. But I thought they were both great matches. Oh yeah! Uh, after that, you had Karrion Cross defeat Tommaso Ciampa uh, via submission. Well, this one. I will say was kind of surprising um, to a degree. Uh, I I thought Cross was going to win because obviously yeah. he, he's the big free agent. I love the entrance. The entrance with him and Scarlett is phenomenal. Uh, when things open up and back up, I would love to see that uh, entrance in like an arena size full of people. Yeah, and just because that I realize what they're doing situation they have, and I fully understand that, and I'm okay with that. Just that's one entrance that like I'm seeing it on the small scale. I need it on a big scale. Yeah, it's it's truly phenomenal. To see, and once I get a live crowd in front of that, like a real live crowd, that's uh-huh. going to be telling. And this one, pretty straightforward. I mean, I was surprised it was more of a squash match than it was, yeah. but, but they are also really are trying to sell Cross as being the true threat to yeah. to everybody on the NXT roster. So I didn't have any issue with this, per se. Um, I think it'll extend their feud a little bit more, which yeah. is not a bad thing. And, no, not at all. And we go from there, so... Uh, you had, uh, for the NXT Championship, you had the Adam Cole to take on the Velveteen Dream. And in the last chance backlot brawl, if Velveteen didn't win, he wouldn't be able to challenge for the championship as long as Adam Cole is champion. And Adam Cole retained. I really didn't like this match. Yeah, it was okay. Nothing nothing crazy or special to write home about. It was, well, it was well, okay. The last time they had a, a parking lot brawl was 
um, Roddy Piper and Goldust. Okay. Way back when. It's been a while. It's been a while, and, and this one was just, we're going to set up a ring. It looked like it was at Universal Studios or a movie lot. But according to ProFightDB.com, uh, it says it was at Full Sail Live uh, in Winter Park, Florida, so probably just in one of the parking lots. There. All right. Like I said, it just it, it looked too staged, mm. which I, I understand wrestling is sure. what wrestling is. Yeah. But at the same I same idea there is just like, wait, what are we doing here? Yeah. And it was just really all over the place, no real storytelling, no nothing. I will say I did laugh when um, uh, Dream came out, cosplaying as Negan. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah, which – Appreciated that one. Oh, yeah, definitely. As a Walking Dead fan, that was awesome. But it didn't do enough to save the match, in my opinion, because they were really trying to push, okay, we're, we're in a real brawl, and it was all over the place. And, right. like, the Uber driver skit, that was – that was like why? Yeah, it just really didn't make any sense. And obviously, when you had the undisputed era pull up, and they were which trying you knew to, was coming, you knew that was coming. And I will say to Adam Cole's credit, took that windshield bump uh, very well. Ow! Yeah. Ow! It definitely was setting up that okay, we thought maybe the dream was going to go over, mm-hmm. and especially how they're setting up the ring and with the chairs, and it was supposed to really. I thought come across more dramatic than it did. And it was just more of like, eh, okay. Yeah, it was one of those instances where it's like, oh, cool. This is a match, you know, I haven't seen. Because, like I said, I haven't seen everything WWE. So I was like, oh, this could be a little interesting. And then it was interesting, but not in the way I hoped. Yeah, definitely not. So I don't know if they're going to take a break from cinematic matches. I kind of hope they do. Because it almost seems like they're watering it down now. Maybe. or And maybe it was just a case of... Velveteen and, and Cole could have good matches, but maybe just not in that style or setup. Mm. They, maybe if it was somebody else in Velveteen's spot, it might have been better. Who knows? Yeah, I have to say, because it, it just really seemed, I don't know, sl- yeah. sloppy and, and all over the place. And for those two gentlemen, I expect more. Oh, yeah. Like, just as a fan. Yeah. So, yeah. really wasn't impressed. And now, where do you go from here with Adam Cole? I, I don't know, because I thought if Keith Lee had lost the belt, mm-hmm. then maybe he gets moved up. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I can't see. I know Dexter Loomis is getting a shot at Cole this Wednesday. I know mm. that's not going to be the next feud. I don't really get what's going on there either. No. That's that's just a weird character to me. Yeah. But nevertheless, that's what how that one ended up. I mean, really, nothing, nothing you can really say nice about it. Right. But that was not the main event, though. No, the main event was for the NXT Women's t- Championship between champion Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shirai. And shocking many, including myself, you had an and new Io Shirai win uh, via pinfall. I really enjoyed this match. I am not going to lie. I th- was hoping Shirai win, and I did mention this on the mm-hmm. stream. Like I, I was saying, I, I was expecting Charlotte to win because she oh, LOL Charlotte. Yeah, she's just been you know unstoppable when she's in the big money matches. But this one, they had great chemistry, all three uh, women involved. Yeah. And they were definitely using the entire set as part of the story. Mm. When Shirai got up on the roof of the In Your House to yeah. jump off. I mean, I was I was expecting the moonsault there. Oh, God. But, yeah. But we, but we didn't get it. But they were definitely being brutal. They were definitely taking a lot of offense on everybody. And even like how the match ended where Charlotte had Rhea in the um, – that was uh, the figure eight. Oh, yeah. And Shirai did the moonsault. And I thought she was coming down on Charlotte at first. But she hit Ripley square in the face with her knee. If you watch that replay. Oh, okay. Which that was, that looked brutal. Yeah. I know it wasn't supposed to be, but that right. just, I, I'm not doubting if Ripley has a concussion. Right. But we finally get 
a, a shakeup in NXT with Shirai getting the belt, which I, I was just said a lot of people probably didn't think that was going to happen. No, at least not right now. I thought down the road she'd get the one-on-one match. No, she absolutely the deserves the belt. Oh, absolutely. I was marking out like this, like holy crap. And especially now it was Charlotte because everybody was expecting that feud to continue. She was going to go on both brands of the shows of Raw and SmackDown as NXT mm. champion. That's been completely thrown out the window. Yeah. So now where does she go from here? I, I I think it's just a case of you know plans getting thrown up in the air with whatever they had planned for SummerSlam. You know that's the next huge pay per view they've got. You know the, the big four. You know and, and with Becky Lynch's announcement that she's taking time away to become a mother, I think anything they had planned, even as far as next WrestleMania, got Control A deleted. Mm. You know just I that that might have been the plan that she holds the belt at NXT down for a little while before eventually. You know, moving back up to the main roster, quote unquote, to challenge for the, either the Raw or SmackDown Women's Championship, but now without Becky Lynch there, you really don't have that, you know, person atop the pedestal of the women's division that like you can book around a little bit. Like, okay, right. they, they might not be the the title holder, but you can still make the big matches that put butts in the seats and and get people to put the remote control down and not change the channel. Okay, yeah, there's definitely some women on that division, both Raw and SmackDown, that can hold their own and can put on great matches. Mm-hmm. Not throwing shade on anybody in particular, but just there's not that one. There's not that one person that you can really build around. Right. Well, I think they're they're trying to do that with Asuka and, yeah. and Shayna, and and now they're giving Asuka a, a chance to really break out into her own. Obviously, um, the Kabuki Warriors, that team's done. I think Kyrie's going to go into her own direction. Tamina's getting a character change by the looks of things. Yeah, I didn't understand that. No. So this definitely opens up a lot of possibilities. And for Charlotte to go back up there uh, to Raw, I, I mean, I, I would make sense. And, yeah. But Asuka's, Asuka needs to remain champion for a while. Yeah. Not because she's the best wrestler on their roster, but I think that just to give her some character growth and just ba- break away from Charlotte always being in the title contention. Like, mm-hmm. Charlotte doesn't need that always. No. And to give some other talented uh, ladies on that roster the shot, Yeah, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like I said, I can't wait for the Shirai versus Ripley feud. Ooh, that's going to be good. This is the f- sign me up. Take my money Hard now. hitting. Absolutely. So NXT TakeOver, like I said, for, for being a TakeOver, this is probably my least favorite one. Yeah, no, it definitely was a little bit of a – Step below the normal NXT takeovers. Yeah, and I will be the first one to say AEW Double or Nothing was better. Uh, also, on a related side note, uh, R-Truth, 36-time, 24-7 champion. Uh, all's, all's right in the world. <laughs> when when he has the 24-7 title, it uh-huh. is just pure, pure uh-huh. magic. The 24-7, I-35, thir- I 7-11. I don't even know what the whole thing is. It's, it's absurd. It, it's absurd, but he makes it work so well. Mm-hmm. So, so well. And I do love, I think when he won it back from Gronkowski on whatever it was, SmackDown, whatever. I did love the WWE on Fox posts where he won it back, and they put the full title that R-Truth has given it on the Facebook post. Incredible. I, I was cracking up laughing. Incredible. He has, he has taken a title that should be a throwaway idea and just made it into pure TV magic. Uh-huh. That being said, the music you heard at the beginning of the show is that of Fair City Fire. You can find out everything going on with Brian Wolf and Company on OchoDuroParleyHour.com slash music. You can check out them Shout at the Robots, Floodlands, Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, Yard Party, and all the great bands that have come through the ODPH to allow us to play their music each and every week. You should support every single one of them because they're amazing people. Also on OchoDuroParleyHour.com, you can head on over to the ODPH directory 
where you can see friends of the ODPH, such as Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, still doing Final Fantasy VII pad. All right. And everything going on in Excite Wrestling, plus all the great pod chaser lists that we are part of with the pod groups that we are in. So shout out to the Alternate Reality Radio Group. Shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to Legion Independent Podcast. Shout out to the Apocalypse Community. Shout out to Hashtag 607 Podcast and 8122 Productions. Ron, Rich, and Hashtag Big Natty Cool still on Twitter pad. Oh, boy. Still coming with a lot of content. They just dropped a brand new episode of 3FN this week. Got more coming with I Love Movies. I know Ron has got some stuff cooking up. More Love is Scary that we still can't talk about because we are not behind the paywall. Yeah. So everything going on with them. And, of course, Horizon 607. You can head on over to 8122productions.com and obviously go to their Patreon page. $1 gets you in the door. $3 gets you come see you at the table. And that is patreon.com slash 8122productions. Also on the ODPH directory, we have links for voter registration and organization links to support the Black Lives Matter movement in follow-up to last week's hashtag podcast blackout episode. So head on over to OchoDuroParleyHour.com and check them out. That's all we got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Mm-hmm.